We now uh, speak to uh, Derek Hochert, who's been uh, kind enough to join us in studio. I hope you didn't hear the last part of the interview. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did. There was no chance that you're going to slit that slide by, is there? <laughs> uh, does it still hurt, Derek? Well, it does, actually. Like, I don't, I don't wake up in the morning. I fall out of bed. You know what I mean? So, uh, when uh, Lima hit me, my old jersey was wet, but where he hit me, it was... It was completely dry like a desert. So I still get like sternum pains every once in a while. But obviously I heard the rumors is that he went for a, um, for a, for a shoulder operation after that. So, oh. so a lot of my friends say, well, you can't dive into a wall. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep with that story. But to be fair, you kept your eyes on the ball, right? Well, that's what, what you get learned when you, when you little, eh? So I think I took that just a little bit too far. In my mind, I was still going to catch the ball and run a couple of meters and pass it uh, to the guy outside of me, which was David Barry. But um, yeah. till today, I haven't seen Brian Lima. I just felt him. Did you have any word with Yost about that pass? Well, I did. And this is the crazy thing. I, I went up to US and I said, US, please just keep the passes a little bit lower. And he was mad at me and I couldn't for the goodness sake of myself understand why you mad at me. I said, listen, I almost just got decapitated and you mad at me. So afterwards, but well, after, after US, I mean, now the sickness and the passing of yeah. US, the great US fan of his days. And, but, um, so I went to visit him at his house and he gave me a Brian Lima jersey to say sorry. <laughs> so all is forgotten. Oh. What a great sense of humor there yeah, at the late years for the besties. And Derek, thank you very much for joining us in studio. We really appreciate the time that you've given us. No, absolute pleasure. And thanks for inviting me. So when we told people that we're speaking to you, everybody wants to know, like, uh, what is Derek up to? I believe that you have a kicking academy. Is that is that still going? Yeah, that is that is the big plan. And, and what people should understand is when you a rugby player, that first five years, you damage goods. You you play for life and then yeah. all of a sudden you, you realize that you need to grow up now. And, um, and I'm still in the growing up phase, but obviously walking out of the gym, obviously if you could see me now, you, you could see that I haven't been in the gym for the year. <laughs> but for the last, last time I went to the gym, one old guy came up to me and he said, yes, it must be so difficult because how do you recreate a passion with a passion? And that actually made me think. And um, obviously, I've always enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed working with kids. And it's almost a no-brainer to, to, to give back what, what I know. And I've, I was lucky enough to play with one of the best scrum-offs the world has ever seen in a Justin Marshall, uh, U.S. van der Vestas and uh, uh, like I said, Justin Marshall, U.S. Van Vestas, and Neil de Kock, Farida Priya. So, and I played with Aaron Major, which was a great All Black. So, so there's a lot of knowledge, and and I want to do it a little bit different. It's not always only about the kicking. It's all also about the the holistic development that is that is important that our youngsters realize that it is is a contact and it's a collision sport and it can happen that you get injured in 24 25 what then then life goes on so um yeah so hopefully the project will go well and like i said it's a passion of mine so i'll be working on that that in the in the in the coming years do you miss being on the field of course i do this is what I made a mistake with. I actually have my my tens rugby cap on tonight, and, uh, and you know what a funny thing is. You always you always think 
in your mind that you're still a rugby player. Mm-hmm. And then your body obviously forgets that. So I have a, like a tear in my um, AC joint and the year before I pulled my hammy. So I think it's, uh, I think it's fair to, and I don't ha- have hamstrings, just, uh, if you, just, just FYI. Um, so I just think it's the way of my body saying for me, listen, enough is enough and you can't prove anything more. Injuries were a big part of your career also, uh, Derek. I mean, how do you look back? Do you look back with any regret? Is, that, is it something that you accept as a, as a professional player? Yeah, well, I think, that, I think that is the toughest part of being a professional sportsman. And I think we live week in and week out to, to be between the lines for that 80 minutes. Everything, the world can come falling down around you and you still can be, be focused and, and play your game on, on the Saturday. And all of a sudden that is gone. And then you have the rehabilitation and a lot of time at home, a lot of time alone. Um, and I think that is the mental barrier that, that breaks a lot of players. Um, I've, I've read, well, I've, I've watched the movie of Dan Carter, how he got through all his injuries and how he got back stronger. And I think he was one of the few and lucky ones that, that really had a massive and a good, um, a support group around him. Imagine doing that by yourself and don't really have the support of the Bulls or from the Springboks, etc., etc. So it does play a part, but like I said, when you come back, you, you almost enjoy it more. Um, you don't take it for granted that much. And um, every game is almost like it's a bit of a cliche, cliche nowadays, but it's, it's almost like today can be your last game and um, not a lot of youngsters get that but when you get to an older age then uh, you realize that all the guys that were preaching for you they they were telling the truth and overall how do you look back at your career because I mean you broke onto the scene I think it was a year out of high school 19 year old there for the Bulls in the Curry Cup and you've you've played a World Cup obviously you've also played overseas overall are you happy yeah, I, I must say, I had a blessed career. I say I have no regrets. And I, th- and I think when you, when you finish your career and you can say the words that you, you don't have any regrets, then it's a good one. And because I started 18 and officially retired when I was uh, 34 years old. So that's quite a, that was quite a good run. Um, obviously the last three years was a tough one because I had like four Achilles operations. But I was part of a, a brilliant bull squad that uh, won the Curry Cup five times. We were the first team that won the Super Rugby. Um, if there's one thing, and well, and then going to Leicester and um, playing in the European Cup final, and then winning winning the Premiership with uh, with Saracen. So if you put that on paper and you ask me, are you happy? Then obviously the short answer will be yes. But I think the only regret for me would have been going to 2007. Um, World Cup and playing in that last game and then the, the cabinet would have been full of <laughs> uh, of what you have worked for for your whole year basically or for your whole life basically. How do you look back at that first Curry Cup final in, in 2002 as a youngster there? Uh, I think you scored all the points. You had a try, you had dropped goals, you had five penalties. Is that where you broke the record of Nas Bota? Yeah, but please remind him next time you see him. He doesn't, <laughs> he, he doesn't like that that much. Um, so. We should have. We actually <laughs> spoke to him three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe when you speak to him again, just, uh, just remind him of that and let, let him give me a call. No, it was, it's, it's one of those astonishing, almost 
almost that surreal fi- feelings um, and things that happens in your life. And you always hear you have a Boris Becker that win a Wimbledon at 16 yeah. or 16 or 17. And it's, um, it's almost that... F- that f- fearful you don't have any fear you just go out there and in your mind you're thinking all the guys down in Bukitberg and in Portal and in Paul and all the small towns are now brying and they're watching you play so it's more excitement it actually when you get to your fourth and fifth final when you over- start overthinking things when you start yes but we if we win this one obviously it puts you in a category of of people that haven't won more than five five curry cups in their career, and there's a lot of great players that didn't. It's like when you get ten thousand rand a month, you live like a king. Then you get a million a month. You, only your lifestyle goes up, but nothing really changes, and you actually have more responsibility. So I think it's one of those things when you're young and you you're just fearless in, in what you do and obviously that comes with a lot of hard work because you still have to have the skill to to put it out on the field and and getting getting the guys around you around the park and obviously kick your goals did it also come with a lot of pressure then were expectations high um, after what you did in your fir- in, in, in your first year I think I think it did play a part and um, I think we were underdogs probably for the whole Curry Cup and I think we we won against Chikwas uh, down in Kimberley in the last minute um, we won against the Sharks away from home in unbelievable rain in the last minute and we were definitely underdogs going going into that final as well but I had a, a conversation with one of the the press guys, and I actually I read an article of a guy that that played. Well, we're not going to mention names, but he played for one of the smaller unions, and he had a massive write-up. And then he turned around and he said, "But his potential is that. So where his potential is at, he played to his full potential." Um, even if you are off of your potential, you still play the same game, but we're going to judge you on your full potential. So I say, just if you take that from, from a news guy, then obviously the expectations is more if you do that in your first year because people then want you to do it all the time. Yeah, we just want to take a quick break. If you've just joined us, we're catching up with Derek Hochad, Liefling van Loftus. And if you want to weigh in on our conversation, uh, please free, feel free to call us at any time on 0891-104-207. Or for those who prefer to send voice notes, you can also send us voice notes on WhatsApp. Sport on Flashback Fridays, 6 to 7 p.m. Only on SAFM. Catching up with Derek Hochard, that WhatsApp number for voice notes is 0614104107. And let's actually hear from um, a friend of our show, uh, Pine Pinner, about Derek Hochard. You know, it was, it was a bit before my time, uh, you know, that he had tremendous impact at schools. And uh, I can recall, you know, he was a 19-year-old player, uh, fresh out of school, and uh, he played final for, for the Bulls 2002 and made such a huge impact as a 19-year-old playing at such a pivotal position and uh, he, he went on and um, he played spin-offs after that, uh, 20 years old, 2003, you know, he got his uh, spin-off cap. So uh, I think for him, uh, with his career at the Bulls from 2002 until 2007, you know, he did so well 2007. Everybody can remember the first, the first year that the Bulls won a uh, Super Rugby uh, trophy and... Uh, you know, he had such a great game against the Crusaders in the semi-final 
I think if I can recall correctly, he scored all the all the points in that semi-final, 27 of them. And unfortunately, you know, as it is now, he went after that. He went to to, to Leicester Tigers with Heineke, and and from Leicester Tigers, he went to Saracens, and had such a huge impact. And I think he was one of the one of the pivotal points at Saracens, you know, to to start. Uh, such an important franchise for Saracens and uh, if, if you have a look at where they are currently now. Thanks for that, uh, Paina Pinar there, uh, just, uh, just sharing his uh, views on Derek Hocha. Derek, you mentioned that a year later you went to the World Cup with your box. Is that where you made your, your, your debut for the box in the World Cup in 03? Yeah, it was, but <clears throat> I'm actually, I was actually, while he was talking, it was actually like a trip down memory lane a little bit, but <laughs> I was, um, and then I said, well, I actually have two regrets. The other regret is Kamstaldrat, because... <laughs> <laughs> So, because we were to come Solrat in that year, and I was, and it's such a nice story to tell is that mm-hmm. um, the, the night before the Curry Cup final in 2002, um, my headmaster phoned me up, and I didn't really take any phone calls or get distracted and stuff, but I, he was the only guy that I t- took the phone call off, and he said, Yes, how surreal and amazing is it? Last year, your last game was. Uh, Bulland Landbau against Oakdale and this year your last game is a Curry Cup final Blue Bulls against the Lions and that I think that really put it in perspective for me so that was the only time I actually got nervous and I walked to the doctor and I said I'm not going to sleep tonight you need to give me something like a little sleeping pill or something or injection just to to relax me down but um, yeah so uh, so 20 years old I make my, made, made my debut and and if you look back now I think I was ready, but to make you, your your first appearance for Springbok and then it's in a World Cup is yeah. it's it's a it's a tough ask. You would like to have like ten or fifteen test matches because I always believe that in Curry Cup when you start playing Curry Cup, people don't really mind you that much because they don't have any anything to see. They don't have footage of you etc etc but when you play for the spring box they really zone in on you so it's literally from game 10 15 that you're really coming into your own because they realize well this guy can handle himself on the field so we need to look at the other different places to, to nullify the team we are playing so it wasn't ideal but going to world cup and I told somebody yesterday, and even if you feel in your heart, if I, the timing is not right. When you put on that green blazer or you put on that green tracksuit and you walk down the foyer, it just makes you feel great. And you're never going to say no to that, are you? Mm. And and you mentioned Kamstaldrad. I mean, how did you guys deal with the backlash after after that? Well, basically, we were <laughs> we were we were not alive for five days, so obviously we didn't have phones. We were captivated, basically. Um, an hour out of Pretoria, they put um, they put things over our heads, so we didn't realize where we were going. Um, and then after four or five days, we came driving back in Pretoria, and we just see all these posters. On, on the poles next to next to the road of a leaking of Kamstaldrat, etc., etc. So it was a tough time, and I think it was a tough time for Korne Kriege, um, for John Smith, for the leader corps. It was um, it wasn't one of the the, the funny the f- most fun teams I reckon to, to to go to to the World Cup. There was almost that that, that uh, uncanny feeling when you walk into mm. a team room and you. 
and you go and, and eat and stuff. And, and especially when you're together for <clears throat> seven, eight, probably 12 weeks together, one of the main things that need to be in place is team spirit. And I, I think we lost it at Kamstaldrod. And now that I'm talking about Kamstaldrod, there's some woman with a gun here on the TV on this side. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> flashback coming on a flashback yeah, Friday. I'm not gonna sleep tonight, brother. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sleeping with my one eye open. <laughs> Let's go to the voice note. We've got a voice note that's come through here for Derek. If you wanna send voice notes, you can send them on uh, our WhatsApp number, which is uh, 061-4104-107. Derek, why did you um, choose the bulls above the Western Province? Um, it's Andre here. Hi Andre. Yeah, it was actually it was actually a very good question, and I, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Jan Swartz, which is now the team manager of the Springboks, yeah. he actually came um, down to Cape Town after Crown Week. He came to see me about the possibility of maybe moving um, to Pretoria, and at that that stage um, he's passed away now. But but I know if you remember Francois Swart. Um, so he was a he was a decent fly off. Nalfari was a decent fly off. He was he was also in the mix, and um, <clears throat> yeah, and it was a tough thing for me because everything I know, everything, all my family at that stage, girlfriend, everybody is in Cape Town. So for me, it will either make more sense to try and make my way into the Boerland squad than than go to Pretoria. But I will remember this. I remember this so fondly. I actually went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, I said, well, I injured it in the gym a little bit and I think this might have happened. I said, no, don't worry. I, th I think I know what happened. And basically in the short of the story, he said, well, you shouldn't stop training, but you won't, you won't ever be a springbok. And he was laughing in my face and I walked, oh. I literally stood up and I woke out and I went to cry in the bathroom for about half an hour and then my dad had to get myself out of there. And with that mindset, I got back to Bulland Landbo, got got dressed, and I, I went training with the team again. So that night, I just realized to myself, well, I just need to become a Springbok now a lot earlier. I can't yeah. wait to 25 or 26 or 27. Um, and then I had a Henny Becker, and I can't remember who the CEO of uh, Western Promise at that stage was. When I asked him, um, if I'm good enough, will I play? They basically laugh in my face and they say, if I'm really, really good, I'll play under 21, but they will bring me through the ranks. And I, and I mm. asked exactly the same question to Heineke Meyer. And he looked at me now, he said he thought he was a bit, bit arrogant, but he looked at me and he said, listen, if you're the best player in the position, I will play you. And literally on that words, I packed my so, bag yeah. with Michael Lins to rock, cried to Beaufort West, and uh, all the way, all the way up to Pretoria. <laughs> and the rest is history. We've got to take a quick break. I believe John Mametza is on the line, and we'll hear from John after this. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. I believe we've got John Mametza on the line. John, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening, Tabiso. Sorry about uh, the noise coming. Uh, in the background here, um, all is good on my side. And uh, how are you doing? It's a Friday, John. It is allowed. We've <laughs> <laughs> we've got the Leifling van Lofters here, Derek Hochard. I mean, what can you share with us about Derek? Leifling, you know what? He that man lived up to his name. 
and um, people, I think at the time when uh, when he came to Lothar and um, um, we, we were all youngsters, you look at the likes of the Furi DPS at the time, a lot of the guys were youngsters, you know, and um, he had, uh, as soon as he, he got to Loftus, he, he didn't even waste time. He was he was just an instant hit, you know, and um, the amount of pressure that was on Derek Rohat, people don't even realize how much pressure was on him, but he had so much pressure. But what impressed me the most about Derek was um, uh, when we'd go out and we had... Um, uh, went to visit the fans. He really had time for each and every one of the guys. And when the guys get to the park, they just want Derek Gohat. But believe you would have time for all of them. So that's the man that he is. He's got a good heart. And um, what an amazing guy. And I was really blessed to play with Derek. Ah, some nice words there, Derek, from John. Yes, my friend. Johnny, you're gonna, you got me in tears on this side, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for th- thanks for that nice words, but at least I got speed on the wing because I only had speed for twenty meters, and I had to get it to Johnny. So, uh, <laughs> so he can finish. Yeah, so that he can go and put it in the corner. Well, it was a pleasure playing with you too, brother. Yeah, it was such a pleasure because I remember when um, Tabiso when we came on at the time, um, the Bulls were in this transition of. Um, uh, from being beaten 60-70 in the Super Rugby. You know what I mean? Curry Cup, we're not winning. The last one was, I think, in 98. But we were taking so much flack at the time. Um, and from 2002, when the guys won, uh, Jerry came in and he he slotted in seamlessly. You understand? And for him to, to come to the pool and really take on such a big role of a flat and really control the team... You must remember that when Henrik Meyer came on at the time, he was really also coming onto the scene. Mm. The game plan, he said, I'm going to pick Derek Kohat. The game plan around Derek Kohat, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to pick guys that can complement Derek because he's the orchestra. He's going to make the team tick. Oh, no. We seem to have lost. One of oh. my... Okay, sorry about that, but we seem to be losing Johnny. did apologize for the line. Derek, it would be an injustice not to touch on that uh, semi-final, that 2007 Super Rugby semi-final. I think Pine touched on it, where you scored all 27 points, eight penalties, a drop goal against the Crusaders at Loftus. How special was that day? Well, that was that was probably one of the most special days, I think. And just, just from, a, from a standing start is that we knew that one of us is going to be the first team in history that's going to be winning Super Rugby. Mm. And I can, and I always remember reading this article in the Sports Illustrated, and there was Joe Cullis and Sean Pollock, and I think it was Mark Boucher standing with the Super 12 at that stage. Mm. And they said, and the, the writing was, it's the closest a South African player will ever get to Super Rugby. And that's sorry for my French, but that pisses me so off that I just said, listen, we will win this cup. And in that week, it was so, it was so emotional because you could feel it wasn't the year that we were training for the Super Rugby Championship. It was basically four or five years <clears throat> that mm. we were, were training for that. But I think in that week, I always, almost make, made one of the most critical mistakes. I, I actually took on everything to myself a little bit and I was so, I wasn't loose. I was, I was nervous and, and I walked into the Woolworths and, 
believe it or not, to, to go and buy some food. And it was a Thursday before, before the Saturday's game. And, uh, the one, and the one guy walks, it's a black guy, but he walks down in the side of me and he just bumped me to the shoulder and he says, um, hey man, just, just laugh a little. <laughs> yes, and in my mind, I'm thinking, holy moly, my friend, do you have any idea what's happening on a Saturday? <laughs> Flipper, you have no idea, but you know about going through your mind the whole time. And as it should be, as I walked out, you walked out and we paid together. Mm. And he just looked at me, but with that calm feeling, he just said, don't worry, you've done the hard work, you will win the cup. And he completely wow. blew me away. And after that, I just said, listen, we, like he said, we've done the hard work. Yeah. Now it's just, just a thing of really going to, to enjoy the week that we've been training for, for, for six, seven years. And especially on that uh, semi-final, mm. which one we played against the Crusaders. Uh, later on, I played with Aaron Major and he said he couldn't believe it. Because he got a text when he woke up, he said, pack your bags and head to the airport, you're going to South Africa. And that, and that makes a huge difference when, when you play a, a semi-final uh, of that magnitude. And I really think that was a swinging point for a short time for South African teams, because after that, uh, the Bulls won it twice more. So it's just... I just want to go to the lines quickly, and uh, we've yes. got Sivu in East London. Sivu, quick one, good evening. Thanks, man. I'm about to get into church now. Yes, thank you. Look, Derek, a, a legend there, but I'm, I'm really calling for a, a different reason to, 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 to just say how much I'm enjoying the conversation. And this is to compliment you, Tabitha, as well. You have this ability to bring out the best in the interviewee and without threatening them. And, and, and it, it's beautiful. I'm really enjoying the conversation. All the best, guys. And you are a great presenter. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. We've kept well, the man from going to yes. church. <laughs> well, I, I, I won't be proud of that, but Dero, you are a great presenter. <laughs> that, <laughs> but but, but just, to, just to, to finish off that, that yeah. story, I think there was like 60 or 80 tickets sold more than Loftus could even take so a lot of people had to stand and watch the whole game so the atmosphere in that game was oh. just second to none another we're we out haven't of time seen. but i'm gonna ask you just quick one why yeah. was your tongue always out when kicking oh, my friend this one <laughs> i was waiting for this one <laughs> my friend i don't know it's one of those things even when i was little and i was trying to put things together and when it's too tough my tongues come out so well not my tongues my tongue come out yeah. so uh, it's not a thing that i well just for you to show that i don't do it on purpose i had like 15 stitches already in my tongue oh. so yeah and then you eat soup for a week and you lose like five kilograms and then you you're back on the train but it's uh, definitely not a bobby skinstead tongue this is uh, <laughs> this just happens this just happens and was it a steven lackham scrum cap <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to leave it there derek we are out of time we have to go to news but thank you very much for coming to studio i know you have to drive a long way to get here we really appreciate that and we just wanted to have a chat with you find out if everything is okay and most importantly uh, Derek Hochat give you the respect that we feel that you certainly deserve sir oh my friend I, ca I can't tell you how much this means and uh 
I almost feel like we're just warming up. So uh, we'll have we'll continue this conversation. It was great uh, visiting with you, and thank you for all the nice words. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Derek. Thank you very much. All the best. We'll definitely have you back again. That's our time, folks. My name is Tabiso Musia.